Lord, as we look in your word this morning, I pray that our ears would be open to what your spirit wants to say to each one of us. Help us to take away from the time this morning something that you want us to chew on and meditate on, Lord, something that will impact our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be skipping around a little bit this morning in uh, the scriptures, uh, kind of by way of introduction. I think most of you know that I uh, make most of my living by inspecting homes, uh, residential uh, properties. So somebody buys a house, they put a contract, and before they move in, before the deals close, they hire someone like me. And uh, oftentimes me, we hope, we're busy this time of year, but uh, to go and look at the house. And basically you look at everything from the top of the chimney and the roof down to the basement and the foundation or unhappily so in many cases crawl spaces. Uh, But you're looking at everything there at that house. And, you know, it's interesting, even on the outside or exterior of a house, what you can tell before you ever get inside just by looking, for instance, at a part of the foundation that's exposed above grade. I'll give you a fr- This is free, too. You guys, I'm not charging you for this. This is professional, <clears throat> professional uh, information here. If I see cracks within two feet of the corner of a foundation wall, I know that groundwater and ground pressure is pushing that wall in and that if I put a string line on it, I know I'll see that wall's not straight anymore. It's bowed and it's tipped. And if I go inside, if it's a basement and it's not finished off, I know I'll see diagonal cracks coming down from the corners. I know I can get a plumb bob out. I can measure how far that wall's moved. But one little crack at the corner of the foundation tells me a bunch of what's going on. And almost all foundations have some degree of settling or cracking, some movement. And most often this isn't a huge deal, but if you don't, and, and how many of you go out and check your foundations regularly? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of homeowners, they're in a house, and they, they don't, you know, it's out of sight and out of mind. You would have no idea that your walls were being damaged if you weren't looking for it. And minor damage, minor movement, no big deal. But if this takes place over a long period of time, I might show up in somebody's house and tell them, you know what, you've got major structural problems here that need to be addressed because your walls are pushed so far out of plumb, so far out of vertical that you can't uh, count on them to continue doing what they're supposed to do. They're moving. Sometimes you'll get settling. I inspected a house uh, two weeks ago, which I look at the roof line and, and the north end of the roof looks like this. And I look at the siding lines and the north end of the siding looks like this. And I know I've got a problem. They've got a problem, which I need to point out to them because one corner of the house is settling. It's on a slab. It's different than the rest of the foundation. This is fascinating, isn't it, Veli? Yeah, you can't get this just anywhere. (laughs) Uh, It's heritage inspections, yes. Uh, but, you know, in, that's, in that case, I know before I go inside, the windows are racked. They won't lock. I'm not surprised. And I know that if they don't do anything, the shifting house will break those windows. They won't be operable at all. So, you know, you look outside and you see a little bit of movement on the foundation. Not a big deal. But you get too much. And you're looking at major costly repairs. And in the worst case scenarios, you would look at, replacing foundations because they won't do what a foundation is supposed to do anymore, and that is it supports the rest of the structure or the house. 
we're not primarily interested in foundations because they're fascinating in themselves. We just have to know that they're there. They're what they're supposed to be, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're holding up. They're adequately holding up the rest of the structure. That's what a foundation has got to do. And with that as my introduction, let me tell you today that I'm convinced that you and I are building our lives on a foundation every day. And we take it for granted most days, like most homeowners do, but you're building on a foundation, absolutely. And the foundation that you and I build on is the set of core beliefs or values, core beliefs or values, and motivations that shape everything you and I do and think. That's your foundation. Some people would call this your worldview. What's your worldview? That is, what do you understand is true about the world around you and your interaction with it? What's your understanding related to those big $64 questions? Who am I? Why am I here? Is there a God, etc.? Your worldview, your set of core values or beliefs, that's your foundation. That's the foundation you're building on. And just like a house, if you have an adequate foundation, you're good to go. You live in your home normally, you go about the affairs of life, no problem. If your personal foundation, however, is inadequate, your life is headed for major trouble, potentially for major disaster. And as eternal creatures, the truth here is that, you know, we tend to think of life in terms of this life. We're in this, you know, 60, 70, 80 year span that we get on earth. But the truth is, as eternal creatures, this is just, this is just the beginning, isn't it? Life on the earth is just, it's the blink of an eye compared to eternity. It's a very, very brief window or span of time we're here. So, we not only have to ask, do we have a foundation? Do we have an understanding of life, a core set of values and beliefs that's adequate for building your life on here in the short life you've got on the earth? And more importantly, is it adequate for the eternity that's coming? Do you have a foundation that will stand the test of not just time, but eternity? Eternity. We're going to take about five weeks. This is week one in which we're going to talk about some major areas of life in which if you have these things in your life right as a foundation, you're pretty much good to go. You're good to build. You're, you're good to build a room on or an addition or you're good to cook dinner or come and go as you please. But there's some uh, key areas, four areas plus this morning, and we're going to compare this to a foundation of a house. We won't get any further than that. We won't put up any more structure than a foundation. Uh, If you've seen a house built, you'll know that typically what you'll see is an excavator will come into a building site and he'll scrape the dirt away down to the elevation they want that house for. And then if it's a simple house, they'll put up four foundation walls and then you're good to build. And so we're going to put a foundation down today. We're going to clear a foundation this morning. And then each of the next four weeks, we'll put up one foundation wall. Okay? We've got to have something we can build on. And to start, I'm going to be in Matthew 7. That's probably the key text for this morning. If you want to turn there, feel free. If not, don't worry about it. Jesus had something to say about foundations, about building on a foundation. And in Matthew 7, this is the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And this is, uh, this verse, this short passage is a passage that you can hang your hat on and you can build your life on too. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 7 at verse 24 He says, everyone who hears these words of mine 
and acts on them or does them or keeps them, depending on your translation, is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, does not keep them, does not obey them, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blow as they do, and as they will, and burst against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. The foundation was inadequate, and the house toppled. So speaking of foundations, Jesus says, if you hear my words and do them, you're like a person building a house, and you're building your house on a rock foundation. And rock's a good foundation. We've got uh, engineers and builders in here. Rock's a good foundation. Rock is a foundation typically that doesn't move. You get lots of other kinds of soils that can expand and contract or don't bear loads well. But rock is a foundation you can count on. It's a foundation that you can trust in. And Jesus says that for you or I or anyone else to hear what he has to say and to do what he says to do is to build your life on a rock foundation. It's a sure foundation you know you'll be good to go. And in talking about this, I want to divide this into two categories. Uh, One is salvation, and one is daily life. Thinking about uh, time and eternity in a foundation, you know it's possible to live a very successful life on the earth. You can be financially wealthy. You can be married to a great spouse. You can raise good-looking, successful kids. You can have a great career, good health, live to a ripe old age, and die, and you'd run into foundation troubles when you die. You can live life okay on this earth, relatively happy and successful in lots of of good ways, and still find out at the end of the hall that your foundation is no good. Because while you did okay in life, in eternity now, you don't have a foundation anymore. You built on sand, and the storms have come, the judgment of Christ has come, and it's no good anymore. And that's why I say the first word that we need to hear from Jesus and keep is related to our standing before God. It's related to salvation. Salvation. In John 3, Jesus talks to a Jewish leader at night. The Jewish leader was embarrassed probably to come be seen with him by day. But he comes to him at night and he says, Hey, we know, Jesus, you're, you're from God. And Jesus addresses uh, Nicodemus's key issue right away, and he just says in John 3, 3, he says, I'm telling you, Nick, unless one is born again, he won't see the kingdom of God. Now, remember that Nicodemus is a successful man. Most of the Sanhedrin and the, the uh, leaders who were Pharisees were financially successful. They were also politically successful, socially successful. This is a very successful man. He's one of the key leaders in the nation of Israel. And Jesus says, Nick, what you have is inadequate to even get in to my kingdom. You must be born again. You must be born again. Later on in John 3, 
at verse 16. This is probably the best known verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son or his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish eternally but have eternal or everlasting life. And at the end of chapter 3, he who believes in the son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides or remains on him. In the end, you and I, we often think that we enter life and we live and we do some good and we do some bad. And at the end of our life, we'll stand before God and he'll put our life in the balances and he'll say, heaven or hell, good or bad. You're in or you're out. But it's not like that. The scripture paints the picture that we've talked about this before, but like people born into a kingdom separated from God's kingdom, we're on the outside. We're not neutral parties. We're not Switzerland in World War II. We are in the war and we're on one side of the line or the other. We're in one kingdom or the other. We all come born that way, on the wrong side of the line, in the wrong kingdom. But then also, in all the ways we live life, by what we do and by what we fail to do, we fall short of God's standards for righteousness. So when John says here the wrath of God abides on him, there's no doubt when you and I are born, or as we live, where we stand. We're at odds with God, with our Maker. We start that way, and then we live that way. So that Jesus says in John 3, if you don't obey the Son, that wrath, that enmity, that distance from God simply remains. It simply remains. The first step of obedience for anyone related to Jesus' words in, John, in Matthew 7 is to obey him by believing in him, by trusting him. him. <clears throat> the obedience here is faith. It's not hard work. In fact, later on in John 5 and John 6, Jesus makes it clear. He says, this is the work of God. Some of us think we've got to work to, to be saved. Jesus says, fine, I'll give you some work to do. This is what you do to be saved. You believe on the one the Father sent. The first step of obedience for anyone, he who does not obey the Son, the first step of obedience, the first step of obeying Christ is to believe in him. It's to trust him. It's to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his Son, Jesus. No question about where, we're all, where we are, where we're starting from. So the first step of obedience to get onto a solid foundation is to hear Jesus' words, the call to repent and believe, to entrust yourself to him. That means you believe who he is. He said he's God the Son and the Son of God. And what he did, he says he was dying for our sins, paying the penalty, due our disobedience so that we could be saved. Elsewhere, Jesus says, I didn't come into the world to judge the world. I came to the world to save it. That's his will. That's his word. So the beginning of obedience, the beginning of life on the rock is to obey by believing him. It's to trust him and it's to be saved. That is to be born again. That is to have the beginning of that foundation that is a rock. If you have not trusted in Christ yet... For your salvation, if you haven't found that kind of restoration or that kind of a rock foundation, 
your life sooner or later is headed to disaster. That's what he said here earlier. He who hears my words but doesn't do them, they still build a house. The structure still goes up. But when the storms come, when the rains fall and the winds blow, whether that's time and the troubles we all face in life, or whether that's in eternity, the foundation will give out. And great was its fall. The destruction is total. The destruction is total. So if you haven't made that first step to build your life on a foundation of rock, it's to hear Jesus' words to come to him and be saved. It's to come to him, trust him for salvation, and your life now is set on a rock. It can't be shaken. When you stand before Christ in eternity, he doesn't weigh your life in a balance. He says, welcome, come into the kingdom prepared for you. Well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't hold you back. You're in. Your life's on the rock. You're good to go. That's the place we all must start. There's no life to build that's going to stand time and eternity if you don't start your obedience there. Hearing his word and obeying, Jesus says the first place to start is to come to him. It's to believe in him. It's to trust in him. You don't stop there, though, do you? If you and I become a Christian today, let's say I'm 20 years old, I hear Jesus' words, he says, Mike, I've got a problem, but I've got a solution too. Trust me, give your life to me. Trust me, I'll save you. I say, great. So I'm 20 years old and I become a Christian. Let's say I live till I'm 80. Okay. So I've got this rock foundation and I've got 60 years to go. What do I build? What does it look like? This brings us to the daily building on this rock foundation. We've started, we've got our foundation, we've trusted in Christ. We've got our foundation in place, so now we're ready to build. We've got 60 years to do it, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But what does it mean to hear Jesus' words in the daily course of life and keep them? What does that look like? In fact, how do I even know what I'm supposed to do? How do I hear Jesus' words today? Let me give you a comparison before we look at this a little further. If you saw me, if you knew I was going to build a house, and you see my excavator go out and clear the site, so he digs the hole right down the bedrock. There's the bedrock. There's the hole. You know where I'm going to build my house. You come back a week later, and you see I'm framing my, my floors and my walls on the sandy hill next to my building site. Are you with me? My rock foundation's here, and I'm building my house over here. You'd say, well, what's the deal? What's the problem, Mike? Here's the foundation, here's the rock foundation, and you're framing your house up over here. Why would you do that? And I would say, too, why in the world would I do that? However, I will tell you that most Christians, I would say most, I don't think this is a hyperbole, most Christians I know have a rock foundation, they're saved, they're going to heaven, and they're building on the sand next door. And why is that? because they don't listen to what Jesus has to say about the rest of their life, so they're not doing it. Got a rock foundation, we're ready to start, so why are we building over here on the sand and the clay where we know disaster is going to come? That's what we're doing. It's good to start on the rock, but you've got to keep on the rock. And this is how we do that. Listen to what David said in Psalm 119. 
He said to himself and to God, How can a young man keep his way pure? Lord, how can I keep going in the way you want me to do? How can I avoid the sand in my life? How can I avoid building on clay? Keeping it according to your word. I'm going to keep my life according to your word. I'm going to do what you say, Lord, David says. Psalm 119, verse 9. Or verse 11 in the same psalm. David says this, he said, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. David said, God's word is like a treasure. And I've put it inside my own heart, my mind. I think about it, I value it, I treasure it. Why? Because it keeps me from sinning. We could say it keeps us from building on the sand or on the clay. It keeps us doing the right thing building on the right foundation. Or later on in Psalm 119, verse 105, David says, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How do I know where to go? How do I know what to do? In all the various areas of life we all have to face, how do I know? It's his word. It's his word. I like John 14, 21 for the same reason. Listen to this. Jesus says, this is his upper room discourse last night, before he leaves his disciples, he says, he who has my commandments, that's his word, and keeps them, does them, that's straight out of Matthew 7, he it is who loves me, the one who hears my word and keeps it, loves me, he says. And they'll be loved by my father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Have you ever found yourself in a situation, or maybe someone you know where life's a mess, Maybe life's a disaster. Maybe the corner of their house is falling down and they're scratching their head wondering why. And you know if it's your life or you know maybe if you know enough about their life that they have failed to hear and to keep God's word in some important ways. And so it's a given that there's foundation failure. It's a given that the walls are cracked or the doors don't close. It, w- it couldn't have happened otherwise because they weren't listening to God's word and keeping it. And so their foundation's there, but they're building the house over here on the sand because they're not hearing God's word and keeping it. And you know, the truth is, if you and I are in the scriptures daily, we're being exposed to all the things God wants us to know. So we know what he wants and we know what to do. But if you trust Christ for salvation and then merrily live the rest of your life on your own wisdom, you're building on sand. And in time, it's going to show that bad foundation. A lot of times you'll see a house go up and it might be a very lovely structure, but if the foundation was done wrong, it won't stay lovely for long. And I'll tell you an interesting story at the end of this about just such a house, but Time will prove what you're building on. Time proves if you're building on sand. Issues are going to come. Life is hard. And life will prove what you've been building on. So if we want to be like David, or if we want to be like Jesus says here in John 14, we're listening to his word and we're doing it. Well, we're building on the right foundation every day. And you know what? If you do that, you'll be good to go today. And you'll be good to go tomorrow. And if you died today, or if you die 60 years from now, if you just do this each day, you'll be building your entire life structure on a rock foundation. 
No questions. Can't be otherwise. Can't be otherwise. Jesus says, if you hear my words and you do them, you're on a rock. And no matter what comes, you'll be ready because your life is on this foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that can't shift. It can't crack. It can't fall down. But if you're building on anything else, it will crack. It will fail. It will fall down. To greater or lesser degree, you'll experience failure. When I look at uh, my ministry, I kind of hate that term, but as I look at the way God has used me over the years, I feel like my ministry rises generally no higher than foundation walls. That God's called me to help people just build a foundation. Just help them get the basics in so they can build their life from there, whatever that might be or whatever that might look like. Just getting the foundation right, it's key because everything else is affected by it. And, you know, frankly, it's hard to go back and repair foundations. It's always expensive. It's always difficult. You always, if you've got problems, you always wish, gosh, I wish I'd done it right before. We're looking at doing a room addition. And the contractor that's been referred to me is one who I know of his other work. And I've got to tell my general contractor I, I don't think I want him on, on my project because I know what kind of foundation work he's done before. And I don't want that for my house. And as you and I look at each other's lives, at our own lives, we've got to be asking ourselves every day, where's my foundation? What am I building on? And this gets down, frankly, to ABCs. I'm not going to, this is my embarrassment question, which no one has to answer. <clears throat> I've, I've done this. I asked people to raise their hands before in home groups. How many people read their Bible every day? How many people read their Bible daily and pray, just even if it's 10 minutes? And I'll just tell you, my queries over the years, this is fairly consistent, no more than 20%. 20% is a high number, actually, no more than 20%. And if we took a poll in this room, I, I, uh, I would guess that it would be around that. <clears throat> we used to tell kids in the Sunday school class when they'd say, how often should I meet with the Lord? How often should I read my Bible? You've heard this before. We just say, just read your Bible on the days you eat. If you feed your body, why not feed your soul? If you feed your body, why not feed your spirit? Just, just read your Bible on the days you eat. Make it easy on yourself. Whether you call this quiet times, devotionals, whatever you call it, the thing you're doing if you're in the Bible every day you're hearing God's word. Jesus says, if you hear my word, that's the front end. Guys, if you haven't heard his word, you can't keep it. You can't do it. If you're not in his word, you don't know what to do. It's a given you're building on sand. You know what? Even if you choose to be volitionally disobedient, at least you know what you're supposed to do. At least you've got the front end of the equation. I know what God wants me to do. You've got to start there. You've got to be in your Bible. And make this as easy as you want. So you don't have to figure out all the theology of the New Testament. You don't have to figure out deep, complicated things. you just got to sit down. This is no different than my family sitting down at breakfast, and we chat at breakfast. It's just a chat. We're in relationship with each other. We sit down, we eat our meal together, and we talk about the day, what's coming up, what happened yesterday. We just sit down and talk. And that's all you have to do. So don't worry about 
figuring out theological riddles. Don't worry about the text you don't know. You know, Mark Twain, I think it was, said he wasn't worried about what the Bible said, the things he couldn't figure out. It was the things he knew that he was worried about. Don't worry about what you can't figure out. You know, if you read John's Gospel, if you're a new Christian, read John's Gospel because it introduces you most specifically to the person of Jesus, and he is life. He's life. And you know, if you just, if you think, gosh, I don't know about all this other stuff, just read Psalms. You know, most of the Psalms are emotional interaction between people and God. If you need comfort, if you're struggling and feel oppressed, whatever, you can just read a Psalm a day. Read a psalm a day. And they're satisfying. They're emotionally encouraging. You gain a heart. You gain a, a perspective on God's heart. Or you know what? If, you just, if you're a very practical person, just read Proverbs. Toby's practical. Toby's been in Proverbs as long as I've known him. He's read a few other places, but he's in Proverbs every day. You know what? For Toby, that works. You can do that. If uh, 31 chapters of Proverbs, read a chapter a day. All I'm saying is this is not rocket science. This is not complicated. It is not difficult. It is a matter, though, of you and I making a decision with our will that we're going to hear his word so that we can keep it. And this gets very practical. If I, I sat down with someone yesterday who's having a lot of uh, struggles in their marriage and with their kids, and part of the reason is because they don't know what the scripture says about their role as a parent and as a spouse. They're well-intended. And they actually read their Bible. They're in a Bible study and, and kind of been taking steps along the way here to grow, but there's still a lot they don't know. Well, gosh, you know what? They're married and their kids are almost grown. So, see, they've been building on a foundation that wasn't God's word for a long time. And there's a lot of sand there. And they can't replace that, but they can at this point now Start finding out what God says about where they're at right now, what to do and what to avoid. And you and I, today, you can sit down and read God's word and hear something he has to say to you about where you live. You know, if you're married or single, if you're a parent or a child of a parent, if you're an employee or an employer, if you're a student, God's word has something to say to every area of life you and I face, every area. And so if we want to know, if we want to be successful and build on that rock foundation, we read God's word, a little bit every day will do, and then we do what we know he says to do. You never build on sand that way. But it's a given. If you're not reading your Bible and you're not doing what you know it says to do, you are building on sand, and you are headed for structural failure. It will happen. It can't be otherwise. So, on the second part, if you've come to Christ, you've trusted him, you know him as your savior, you're on the rock, but now you've got to build on the rock. And that means by daily I hear his word, and then I do it. And this is simple, don't make it hard. Read your Bible and do what it says to do. This is an issue of the will. Sometimes this isn't romantic. It's an issue of the will. Jesus, I hear and I obey. It's that kind of thing. It's an issue of the will. I told you I'd tell you a story about a house. 
You know, Jesus says uh, at the end of Matthew 7 there, he said, great was its fall. Great was its fall. Some of you may have heard this story. I was at a conference for home inspectors probably a year ago in which a a well-known engineer in Kansas City told a story about a house in Kansas City. And there was a developer in a very pricey area of South Kansas City who wanted, of course, to get as much money out of that development as he could. And so he wanted to sell as many building lots as he could. And so on this one area of the building area, this subdivision, it was iffy. So they brought in all this dirt, and they built up this very tall, deep area with a creek at the bottom of it. They built it up with soil. And the engineers looked at it and said, good to go. And the builder said, I'm going to make sure this house is good to go. I'm going to sink piers, concrete piers down every two feet around this house and around its foundation, since we know it's built on fill. So we'll make sure it's good to go. It's going to stand up. These were half-million-dollar homes and up. These were not low-end homes. These were high-end homes with the engineers and the architects and the builders and everyone else. Well, they'd seen some cracking in the house. This is before it's done. This is before the buyer's in it. They're kind of wondering, what's going on here? And Gary Van Reesen, the engineer, said he was there on a Friday with the engineer, two other engineers, the architect, the builder, and the buyer. And everyone's talking, saying, well, are we good? Everything looks good. Everything's good to go, right? And everybody but Gary says, you're good to go. And he said, this house is coming down. And, of course, everybody in the conference is saying, what did you see that no one else saw? He said, they were all looking at the house, and I was looking at the bottom of the hill. And he said, the trees at the bottom of the hill were being bent sideways because the whole hill was moving. And on Tuesday, his wife called him in Denver and said, turn on the news. I don't know if you remember, this made national news. It was on everybody's news. The house sliding down the hill in South Kansas City. It did. It slid down the hill, and great was its fall. A neighbor adjacent to this property was concerned, knowing that this house, this is before it fell, knowing this this was iffy over here. They hired the same engineer, they came in and they excavated all this dirt and they put in all this stone in the ground between that property and theirs. And when that house failed and it slid down the hill, it buckled the stone wall, the in-ground stone fill between those two houses. It bowed it, but everything was fine. And the other house was just fine. And it was because of the secure rock between it and the house that came down. But you see, this was a given. This was a no-brainer from the start that we we come to this site and we fill it with soft fill dirt. And he said it didn't matter how many piers they put. They were toothpicks because the hill was unstable and the whole thing came down. And it didn't matter. This was was a no-brainer. I'll take this further. In Topeka, Kansas, the fire station that was built at Shunga Drive and Fairlawn, was built on fill. Do you know how long the station lasted? It was over a million-dollar station, and it was torn down and replaced in 10 years. 10 years. Because it was built on fill. Guess what? 
It was failing before the builder got out of it. The walls and ceilings were cracking and coming apart because it was built on unstable soil. The building lasted 10 years and had to be torn down at taxpayer expense and rebuilt. Rebuilt. Great was its fall. This is a no-brainer. Build on sand, you know what's coming. See, because life will throw you curves, life will get difficult, and then eternity comes. And you've got to start on a rock, which is Jesus, and you've got to build on a rock, which is his word and obedience. Let me contrast that house in Kansas City. Have you guys looked at the pyramids? I'm fascinated by the pyramids. I don't know if it's because they're building structures or what, but these things are remarkable. And they stand today. Some of those are 5,000 years old. They stand today. And if they hadn't been robbed of the surface stone, when those were built, they would have been gleaming white structures from a distance because the capstones that were put around the edges were finely polished limestone, white limestone, that you couldn't fit a paper between the joints. They were so precise. The reason that they look jumbled today is because through the years, people stole the stone off the surface Many of the towns in Egypt are built with the stone off the pyramids. But the pyramids are structurally stable, and they stand today. And do you know why? Because before they built up, they built down. They're stable because of the rock foundation they put underneath them. If you look at the cathedrals in Europe or even the cathedrals on the East Coast in our country, the reason they stand and they're stable, some of these a 1,000 years old, is because before they built up, they built down. It was years of excavation and building stone foundations massive enough to hold the weight of those massive cathedrals. They knew if we don't get the foundation right, this structure will not stand. They've stood because of their foundation. I was telling Sean Schwenson about uh, an article in a building journal I get and a group of Buddhists were putting up a temple in Hawaii. And they told the builders, we want this structure to last a thousand years. And so when they were going about the process of designing the concrete foundation, the demand was this, this foundation must last a thousand years. And so they went to great lengths to make sure the building site and then the way they constructed the concrete pour was going to last indefinitely, a thousand years. This is their thousand-year foundation. But that, see, that's what they were thinking, though. We want this to last almost forever. We want to get the foundation right. And for you and I, we start on that foundation in the person of Jesus Christ, coming to him. That's the first step of obedience. There's, there's no further steps of obedience if we don't do that one. We obey him by believing him, trusting him. But then we're coming to him every day. We're listening to what he has to say. And then we're doing it. And again, the difficulty here is it's not, it's not hard to do. It's a matter of the will to hear his word and to obey. <clears throat> you can build a life that will stand the test of time and eternity when you build on the rock, the person of Jesus Christ, trusting in salvation, and then obeying him in the various areas of life as you read and keep his word. But just remember, you are building every day. You are building. It's just a question of, are you on the rock or are you on the sand? That's the only question. 
time and eternity will tell. Time and eternity will tell. Let's pray. Lord, I'm encouraged that on one hand, you have made, you have made success so easy. Success, Lord, that rock foundation to build a life on is as simple as trusting you. It's as simple as hearing what you say and doing it. Lord, any child could do this. Any child could hear what their parents says to them and do it. Lord, it really is a question of the will. And Lord, your scripture says that our hearts are so deceitful that at times we don't even know why we're doing the things we do. Lord, all of us would say that we want to build a successful life and yet day in and day out we do things that we know are building on sand. Lord, give us a heart after you. Give us a will and a passion and a desire to hear what you say and do it. Help us be like David to take your word like a treasure and place it within ourselves to meditate on it, to think about it. Lord, help us to start each day by simply acknowledging you as we sit down to breakfast or before we go to work by taking a few minutes to just hear what you have to say, tell you what's on our day, but listen to your word and then do the things we know you're asking us to do. Lord, I know if we live a life that's built on that kind of foundation, hearing your word and doing it, we'll have no regrets in time and we'll have no regrets in eternity. So, Lord, help us to be those wise ones who are building our homes, our house on the rock, the person and the words of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray in his name. Amen.